0: Hello once again everyone, thanks for tuning in to another edition of AIW's The Card is Going to Change. Before we get into this week's episode, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors that help us bring the show to you for free each and every week on whichever platform you choose to listen. Thanks to Angelo's Pizza. While we're all stuck here in isolation, you can't go to Angelo's Pizza and sit down and enjoy their wonderful full menu, but you can order it for takeout or delivery, so make sure you look up... And check out Angelo's on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, Ohio. Thanks to Pollyanna DIY, we've got plenty of enamel pins to sell from Pollyanna DIY uh, through AIW. I'm sure that John Thorne will tell you about that later, but then make sure you check out Pollyanna DIY for all of their other custom merchandise and things that they do there. And of course, thanks to our streaming partners, the merger of Smart Video and independentwrestling.tv has never made viewing aiw easier so make sure you check out all the past dvds at smartmarkvideo.com you can also get mp4s there as well or sign up at iwtv using the code absolute and get yourself a five-day free trial watch aiw along with all sorts of other independent wrestling promotions and with that we bring you into this week's episode we are joined by john thorne your aiw owner as always Hello. my name is steve guy your moderator of sorts and on this week's episode we have a very special guest a man of many monikers mr lariats and lightbeard king of big dog style come on Old ring announce it, it dude Southern you're not psych- gonna get to do it for a while <laughs> you're not gonna get to do it for a while
1: you got that fancy setup you got that fancy setup you might as well you know
0: uh yeah
1: you're singing yeah. fucking Disney songs online. You can do a real you can do a real ring announce gig right now.
0: The Southern Psychopath, Old Mancer, Mr. Second Gear himself, Mance Warner. Welcome. So you're, you're pretty
2: good at this, man. You're pretty good at doing this. I sat here and just listened, I went, God, he plugged everything, he got everything over, and then he got to my name and he just took a sweet time and he wasn't gonna commit all the way to it. Come on. <laughs>
1: It's that muscle uh, I, memory from doing the intro so so many times. You could do it without thinking about it.
2: Then yeah. he got to my name and he said, I oh, don't know, I'm gonna phone it in right here. I'm not too concerned.
0: You know, with with yours, my trick is, is as we listen to you crack open a beer, uh what do you got over there, Mancer? Natty Light?
2: Yes, they had them on sale at uh, Dollar General, so I got a big old <laughs> I
0: didn't even there. they they sell beer
1: <laughs> I thought you're 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 betraying Aldi's, huh?
2: Well they, at Aldi's all they got is the uh you get like six packs. You can't get no big old crates of beer though.
1: Yeah, they only got like uh, they only got like uh, IPA beers at the Aldi's by me. Yeah, I don't I like what,
0: that shit, man. What is a uh, what's a 24 pack of Natty run you at the dollar store?
2: Well, I want to say 15 was like 8 bucks. So I let's say Multiply that by two, and then take out like three bucks, and then carry a one, add in a a point fifty cent, and then mix them all together somewhere around there.
1: That's that's the Dollar General formula, huh?
2: Yeah, about that. You know how Walmart uh, does the the point six seven or something like that? You just mix it all together. <laughs> yes. it?
0: So with your intro, my trick is that I look at your Twitter before the show because you always have it posted on there. You have that, you know, it's your posted. Tweet a or pinned whatever. Tweet? You're pinned tweet? tweet. There you go. Thanks, John. And I, I look at it at least once or twice just to commit it to memory again in my head, and I say it again. And that's also why I write note cards every single show is because it's, again, committing it in memory. And I haven't done either one of those things in so long, but had we been in show form, I'm sure I would have just, I would have nailed it. So it's
2: it's and that, that pinned tweet on there, that ain't old mancer. That's Nick Manowal from IWA. He uh, told me to put it up there because he would get offended when ring announcers wouldn't say it in the right order, and he'd get all pissed off, so he had me pin it on there so people could remember it. But I need to edit it because it says I weigh 187 because I did at one point, and I'm like 217 because I drink a whole lot, and I like cheeseburgers. So.
0: <laughs> See, I don't... I don't even I don't even do weights anymore because guys are it's it's weird that so many guys you get those, are self conscious about you the get weight.
1: those three quarter pound guys you know like in three quarter pounds <laughs> yeah. Chris yeah, Candido intros
0: I feel bad when guys want to do stuff like that I'm like uh, all right we'll do weight for that match but a lot of guys don't want to do it Manser you want the whole thing here buddy
1: yeah let's yeah let's
0: right. do it here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by none other than the king of big dog style, the eye poke god, the mouth of the mid south, the medium sized man beast, lariats and light beers, Mr. Second Gear himself, Macho Mancer, the southern psychopath, old Mancer, Mance Warner.
2: And that's when I hit my pose, and I just stay there for a little bit, like Psycho said, and you just wait and wait and wait till they're with you, baby. You do
0: you do those long stride lunges and you e- make the them wait bump. for it, huh? <laughs> <sighs> I, needed, I needed that, man.
2: <laughs> I've been walking around out here just practicing my entrance for that big old, you know. W- one time we go back for a show, I just been waiting all day.
0: Your let's let's get into this. Your introduction to A I W was well to the A I W crowd was as a lumberjack in the Swaggle versus Britt Baker Absolution twelve match. And people were excited that you were there, and I think that's ultimately what then the next Mike step Mike was, versus
1: Philly on Twitter was he, he 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 picked you out of a crowd.
2: <laughs> I remember I knew I, I knew I was in when I walked out and the crowd popped and I went, I hope I get booked now.
0: This and then you know who I am. <laughs> so then you got so then you get booked at the uh, music links or Tequila Jack show. Well, before uh, we get into before
1: lake, we though. get into that, like, uh, yeah. you know, as a it's it's kind of crazy. The Mance Warner of twenty seventeen and the Mance Warner of twenty twenty are two kind of yes. different different animals, right now, so to speak. Uh, what leads you to even start showing up in twenty seventeen?
2: Well, for me, uh, the thing that I always tell the, the young dudes, too, I feel weird saying that because I've been wrestling too long or nothing, but the thing for me is when I got into wrestling, I studied everything. So you know all the companies and you know all the places, and, you know, this was the one I wanted to go to because I worked at that other place. Uh, I can't remember the name of the damn place. Uh, P, something. <laughs> Peace. Peace. I can't remember the hell what it was called, but I was out there like two times, and it was down there at the old, the old building that you all used to run. And, yeah. Uh, my goal was, you know, to go to this company so it was like well i'm going to show up and bust my ass and get my name out there and then you know hopefully that gets me a, you know go take a crack at it and see what happens but yeah uh, the, you know a lot i think a lot of guys nowadays don't study everything so they don't know all the companies that are out there you know like for the when i started going to iwa mid-south it was a thing of like okay this is a place that if you go here and you can get over here and you can work in front of eight motherfuckers in a crowd you can work in front of anybody
0: how many times did you show up to AIW before that lumberjack?
2: I want to say oh, maybe, like, I think two times, something like that, I would just show up to help out.
0: Yeah, yeah I remember you were doing a ring crew. Yeah, yeah
2: set, set up, tear down, and then, you know, just – because that's the thing, too, if you're there. Like, I tell guys like, you know, uh, Levi, perfect example. If you're yeah. there and, you know, the, the boys and everybody sees that you're busting ass and you want it, then you're going to get a chance at it. Versus the guys that just you know tweet out, hey, book me here, you know. So, <laughs>
0: how far how far into wrestling were you at that point?
2: Oh, I got to do some math now. So I would have started in <laughs> 2016 was like the first year I was in. So that would have been what second year going into second year. Okay,
0: yeah. So not too long then. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because I was I started <clears throat> IWA Mid South maybe three months into wrestling, four months into wrestling. And I would go there every week. I'd be there Thursday, and then they had shows on Saturday. Sometimes they do a Sunday thing, and I would just go at every show you set up. And when they were back at Jammers, you'd have to set that goddamn ring up and then tear it down and then put it in that corner. And you do that every week and, you know, get your ass kicked, and you kind of, you know, you kind of, you got to earn shit. Nothing's given to you. So I remember Ian Rotten would, I'd walk through the curtain, go to the ring, and then I would see Ian talking to the guys that are getting, you know, say it's a four-way match. And I would see Ian stopping guys before they get in the ring. And then come to find out, Ian was telling them, you know, make him fight you. Whoop his ass so he oh, wow. breaks it back. So then I, I learned quick, quickly, you learn after a couple of weeks, like, all right, these dudes are trying to beat the shit out of me. And then that's kind of where the southern psycho comes from. Then you start hitting motherfuckers. And then, you know, so once you get over there, you know, you kind of got to get your ass whooped a couple times.
1: So, you know, uh- what you said was pretty interesting that you studied everything so many guys today do not study a fucking thing they just they have no concept or no just idea of what independent wrestling was were you a guy that was going to shows and you were pretty uh knowledgeable and aware of what was going on before you got involved
2: i did a lot of uh although uh what the hell was that website called there was a website where it had a, a yellow background and everything was in blue all the words were in blue, and you'd get on there and buy DVDs or VHSs for like four bucks or two bucks. Oh, so would, uh,
1: Cra- crazy max, maybe, or something. I think that might have been it. Yeah, I'd get on there and
2: I'd order shit all the time. So I'd have all kinds of bootleg DVDs and VHS tapes. And I just found them recently. I got them in a, a blue, uh, like Walmart case thing with all the old DVDs and shit in there. So I would sit there on the weekend, during the week, whatever it was, and I'd just watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. And then when you start training, you know, for me, that's the only way you're going to make it is if you're watching everything and learning and trying to implement whatever you want to do into your shit. I ain't going to go out there and do no fucking moonsault, but I will go out there and fist fight you and I take things that I like watching and make it my own thing.
0: What, what was different for you? Because is it Did you grow up in an area where independent wrestling was kind of at least semi-popular and prevalent? Not
2: really. Like, what, what was around me was more of like... Uh, I would get IWA DVDs, but I couldn't, you know, back then, I couldn't get no, you know, hey, we're going to drive down to this show. Nobody, indie wrestling wasn't as, it was huge at that point, but not with mainstream, you know, your buddies that watch Raw or something. They don't want to go see that. They want to watch The Rock against Booker T or something. They don't give a shit. So, like, for me, it was a lot of just VHS DVDs. Uh, We'd have uh, little, like, shit show indie shows come to town sometimes. And then uh, I remember one time Buff Bagwell came to a show. And he was so summoned out of his mind, he was like passing out in a plate of barbecue. (laughs) So with shit like that, where you see that and go, man, pro wrestling ain't like nothing else. So, you know, if if you're going to get into this, you're going to see some shit and you're going to learn some shit. So
0: So you had at least been to some independent shows before you got into wrestling. And maybe that's the difference with a lot of like younger guys that come into wrestling is they initially find out because they're watching television and then they don't know or think to look. Hey, I'm gonna go watch some wrestling in my area. But I'll, t- have-
1: I'll tell you what, you don't you don't see too many of those buff bagel passing out in barbecue sauces uh, oh, incidents no, anymore <laughs> these days.
2: I wish we could see that weekly. That'd be fucking amazing.
1: Those those were the glory days of the mid two thousand mid two thousands early two thousands of those kind of former stars just. They were still hitting it pretty hard. There was like, uh, there was multiple Buff Bagwell stories that happened throughout the Cleveland area over the years, which are, he was legendary for. <laughs> I don't know what
0: he was doing, but he was doing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you're a couple of years in. This now, this is back. We get uh, Mance Warner in the black, yellow singlet, knee pad up, knee pad down.
2: Oh, baby, mancer.
0: Oh, baby, mancer. Wearing? Are you wearing the jacket and the? Uh, and the What's
1: the story on the jacket? Where's the jacket come from? Because well, I've seen some fans. Some fans have, have gotten the jacket for themselves.
2: Yeah, I saw that in the crowd, and then I was like, God damn it, that means I can't get one now. If you buy them all up, there ain't going to be none left out there. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it kind of goes back to that. If you watch everything in wrestling, you kind of take everything that you enjoy about it and make it your own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, it's like, I can't be coming out with just a regular black jacket, black satin jacket, you know. I've done that one time before I used to have a black satin jacket with my uh, school of rock little logo on there for where I trained at. And then I started looking at it and I was like, man Old master ain't gonna walk out in just a black jacket, man. I gotta get something with some damn dragons on it, some tigers and shit. (laughs) So then I found those on the internet. And when people ask me, I always say I get them from a a guy out in Japan makes them for me, David Lopan. Getting (laughs) trouble in little China. If they get the joke, they get the joke. Sometimes people come back and say, man, I looked for that guy and I couldn't find him anywhere.
1: (laughs) That's funny. So you mentioned School of Rock. Do you think that, um, you know, because as a promoter, School of Rock was something that stood out to a lot of promoters because they were producing almost like a like a weekly show on YouTube with matches. Do you think that that kind of helped establish you kind of ahead of probably what your level was at the time?
2: I think it, it got me got me real ready for. Because you're getting the reps and you're getting used to stuff. You're having to think outside the box and then figure out, you know, what you want to do. Because when I first started, I was going out there being like, I'm going to be a grapple fuck guy. I'm going to roll around and, and do technical wrestling. <laughs> so, you know, that shit don't – people don't want to go see old master do technical wrestling. They want to see me go out there and beat the hell out of people. So, I mean, shit like that changes to where you go in thinking one thing, and then in a little bit it kind of clicks and you go, okay, well, I can do technical wrestling, but there's only one Daniel Bryan. I it Ain't no one going to want to see him. Right a guy kind of tried to do Daniel Bryan shit. So then you kind of, you know, okay, well, I, I love Terry Funk. I love, you know, Buzz Sawyer matches, uh, Bruiser Brody, you know, shit like that. So then you kind of mix that into what you want to do. And then what you want to do is what you do anyways. If I go to a bar and get in a fist fight, it's going to be the same thing I do in a wrestling, you know, a fight out there. So,
0: When when do you think that changed for you? Uh, I'd say
2: going to IWA because you, you always have an idea of what – you're going to do or what you would like to do. And then you get out in the crowd and then you go, okay, well, this is clicking or that ain't clicking. And then you kind of change on the fly. I think a lot of guys don't do that. Now a lot of guys go out there and say, well, I'm going to hit this move and this move and this flip and that flip. But if the crowd don't give a fuck, you're just wasting your time.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of guys that don't know how to adapt, you know, to the crowd. And uh, I think that's pretty interesting though, that you had a totally different, Idea and just from you know owning a wrestling school, I see that every day. You know, Dr. Dan thought he's going to be AJ Styles. You know, that's always a famous story that I tell. You know, he, he and that's if you look at his first gear, it was all AJ Styles' up, you know, long tights, and uh, he might have had some gloves too. I don't know, but it's funny that so many guys have such like this idea of what they think they're going to be, and they end up morphing into something. They never expected, and it's nine times out of ten, it's it's usually way better than whatever they had in mind. And I think you're a a perfect example of that. Do you credit, um, you know, being able to wrestle so often on those IWA shows? Well, how did you even get booked? Just uh, did Billy Rock set something up, or uh, no?
2: Well, you go ahead. You go ahead.
1: No, I I was just I was just curious because you know that's you we're kind of one of those guys, which the school of rock had tons of tons of talent come out of it. But, um, you know, like, like you and Heidi Lovelace were really the ones that really started trying to break out. And, um, you know, I couldn't tell you who the rest of the school of rock trainees were at this point, you know, at this day and age or whatever you want to say. But what I remember is you started showing up on a lot of IWA mid South shows and you were showing up, you know, and this isn't, the glory days of IWA Mid-South by any means, Uh, but you were kind of, I think they were even running weekly, but you were always on those shows. Do you, how do you get involved with IWA Mid-South and do you credit getting those reps in with, you know, you weren't getting a lot of vets running through there at the time, but there were still some. Do do you think that that helped kind of mold you as well?
2: Oh yeah, because for me, when uh, Billy trained us, he always told us, you know i will show you how to do certain things i will you know if you are willing to listen and learn i will show you all this stuff but he always said i'm not going to get you bookings i'm not going to do all this stuff you got to figure that out uh, you know out on your own which is cool because you know you got to kind of get out there and make it it's up it's on you and ain't on sink, anyone else sink or swim exactly so for me i started doing just a lot of random shows and then uh, nick Manawa had see me and he had hit me up and told me that because uh, for me I thought I'm gonna have to wait to do like an IWA tryout or something and then Manwa hit me up and he said hey I already talked to Ian get out here and do a show so then I came out there and, and uh had my first match out there and I just went every week and I went every single week for like hell I think like two and a half years
1: yeah because I, I mean I remember you know even though IWA Mid-South wasn't what it was at one time you would still see results and different things pop up and uh, you know things popping up on Twitter or Facebook or whatever um, and then you know every now and then there would be something that would be you know talked about in the in a positive fashion and uh, a lot of that conversation started to be about you
2: yeah it'd be like uh, and the locker room too has, has been amazing out there because like I said I, I, grew, I grew up watching the locker rooms change throughout the years and seeing all the people that are out there you know, King of the Death matches, you know, TPI, and you see all the people come in and out. And then uh, when I was there, when I was starting there, you had Mitch Ryder, you had Mitch Page, Tracy Smothers was there all the time. Uh, you know, it was just like you had Elgin coming in, you had the Chris brothers, you had, you know, Aaron Williams is real, real, real fucking good. He's out there every week. You had all these guys that you can get in the ring with and you're learning with. And, you know, Too Tough Tony, me and him had a match out there that was like my 15th match I ever had or something like that. you know, I remember me and Elgin, and Ian's the king of not telling you shit before it happens. So you show up, and then, you know, Ian's like, oh, it's going to be you and Elgin. And then I walk in, and he goes, oh, you're going Broadway.
1: Oh, wow. And
2: then I go, I look at him, what what are we doing? And he says, yeah, you guys are going an hour tonight, so go out there. And me and Elgin didn't call shit. We just went out and worked an hour. And then just, you know, so that's that's one of my go-tos whenever someone says, you're a garbage wrestler. I always go, well, go watch me and Elgin. And then people (laughs) shut the fuck up real quick.
1: Well, I think that that's a big misconception from a fan standpoint because it's uh, every wrestler knows how to do every basic wrestling maneuver for the most part but that ain't gonna be what gets you over um, like you said you know Dan- there's only one Daniel Bryan and that works for Daniel Bryan but that's not gonna work for mance Warner and I think uh, you know you've really started to as you found yourself even you know beyond those beyond those years you know like 2018 2019 I think t- you know 2019 is when you really hit your stride and you really figured figured it all out and put all the pieces together uh, and a, a lot of things changed for you and th- one thing that I think was it sounds crazy but one thing that I think was a missing piece of the puzzle was the entrance you know and you you've you, now you have one of those iconic independent wrestling entrances how do you how do you wind up with that with that song like what what goes into that because every wrestler thinks that you know (laughs) thinks about their entrance music Uh, you know there's some guys that want to change their music every every two and a half shows so uh you know how do you like how do you come to this conclusion
2: well for Ian Rotten man it was Ian Rotten pick there was uh I showed up one week and I think i was using saturday night special a leonard skinner's song and it was a one of those weekly shows out there at the, the iwa arena and i'm waiting at the curtain and then the music hits and it's simple man and i turned and looked over at ian i was like what is this and he said that's your new that's your new theme song and he said and he said don't go out till you know this long and i said all right and then did that a couple weeks and then it was just catching on and then every place i went you know, it was that thing of like, okay, I get it. I got what he was saying. A lot of people want to shit on Ian, but he fucking knows his shit, man. And there was just this thing where it was like, you do you do something enough, it's going to catch on. And especially that's a song where I've, there's been so many people that come up and tell me like, this song means something to me for this reason. And then there's so many of those stories that it's like, it's become like a thing. You know, people pull out lighters, they take their phone out. Everybody's singing it. I get fucking hyped up like could run through a wall. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's cool shit.
1: Yeah, I I think you know. I think obviously, Ian Rotten was kind of his own worst enemy, but I don't think there's any denying that you know he knows his shit and he was successful for a long time, and he innovated a lot of modern independent wrestling and what is seen today. I think you know, just the bad stories outweigh the good stories on him, unfortunately. Uh, But you know, there's no, there's no denying the the impact he had on independent wrestling and, you know, guys that have gone on to be gigantic success stories. Um, and, you know, I, I, think you are probably the most recent success story, so to speak. Uh, when do you start trying to branch out? You know, cause it's like Billy said, Billy rock says you're not, he's not going to help you get bookings. You're working weekly at IW mid South, but you're still really not going anywhere besides IW mid South. What, you know, what changes there in your head? Like, what's the first move for you?
2: Well, for me, it's, I always tell guys too, it's pro wrestling, uh, you know, fans will watch stuff and they listen to podcasts and they see videos and stuff. But I don't think they understand how it's just, there's so many goddamn sharks in the water. So when you're out there and you're trying to make it, you literally have to watch your back the whole time and figure out what route you want to take and where you want to go. And it's networking, you know, so you'll meet people from other places so, you know, I meet Dom, and me and him are, you know, bullshitting about stuff, and he's, you know, I could tell he ain't trying to fuck me over, I ain't trying to fuck him over, and we start, you know, talking about, well, hey, man, if you want to do this, you need to go this route, or hey, man, you want to do this? And it's a network system of people who are all trying to do the same thing, and you can tell who's a piece of shit and who ain't, Right. <laughs> and then you've got to just kind of, you know, dip your toes into it and get out there and kind of make that path, so for me, I started just getting in my truck and going to wherever I can go. You start meeting people you start getting your name out there and then figuring out okay this is my goal i want to go here and i want to go here and then you just figure out your own way to get there and you can't listen to everybody because some people are going to come up and tell you one thing and then walk down you know and then shit talk you to someone else to try to get that spot taken away or whatever it may be
1: i I, that's funny that you said that because i actually had that conversation with pb smooth before i said you know listen man like you can't take everybody's advice like you try to take everybody's advice and apply that and that is kind of why you've kind of started treading water because you're taking everybody's advice and you're not making any advancement because everybody's advice is, it, it's all an opinion and it's a contradiction of, you know, the person that told you something three, three times ago, you know, is now this guy is going to tell you something completely different and you can't apply at all. Uh, and I think that that is something that independent, especially new independent wrestlers struggle with because like you said, it is a networking thing. And there is somewhat of a detriment to if you ask the wrong person for advice, because if you ask that person for advice and they give you the bad advice and then they see you in three months and you're not applying that advice, now you've offended them, you know, mm-hmm. and now you've made somewhat of an enemy. So it's kind of a fine line, uh, you know, when you are trying to, like you said, it, it's full of sharks and things like that. It's a fine line when you're trying to kind of maneuver through those waters because, you know, some people will, will also get offended. Did you ever, uh, encounter stuff like that?
2: Oh man, I've been told don't do knee pad up, knee pad down. Don't do that spot. It's stupid. It don't make no sense. Don't, uh, the entrance is too long. Uh, you know, don't do eye pokes. You know, I, everything that has gotten over, I've been told don't do. So it's that thing of like, you, you literally have to Take advice and be respectful for everyone because just in general, you got to, you know, I I like to live pro wrestling the same way I do life. So, you know, don't be a dickhead to nobody, but you got to know some people are just trying to fuck you over anyways. So every, you know, pretty much anything that I do that's gotten over, I've been told don't do it. So then you just got to, when you see those people again, you know, it is what it is. Either they're going to say something and then you just go, hey, well, listen to them, man. They seem to be into it. Or you just kind of they don't usually they just don't bring it up. And you know,
1: I know we're kind of jumping around, but this was a thing that was going on on Twitter uh, a little bit ago. Is the the D'Lo Brown night? You know, he was (laughs) critical of just about (laughs) everybody, Uh, but he was he was uh, also being critical in a very respectful way, and everyone was trying to be very respectful back and it was it was an interesting debate because even you know him and I got into a debate over the Justice and Bishop bump and I said you know listen I understand where you're coming from but these guys also weren't getting that many bookings until that happened and now they're booked every weekend so you know it's it's easy for I, I think it's easy for the guys that have made money to say certain things but if you're that guy that is you know coming up through the gutters of independent wrestling and you haven't made any real money you know like it's it's two just totally different mindsets uh and you're not gonna you're not gonna please some of those people but that d Lowe brown night i thought was funny because he literally sat there with the remote control and would pause things and give all you guys at the bar feedback <laughs> uh and you know it, it was so interesting to just watch and and you know see the debates you know in the different kind of points of view you know uh just all being shared over some over some drinks and in good company, uh, and I think th- those are the the great parts about independent wrestling and the the veteran advice. Because even though D. Lowe Brown didn't agree with most of what was, you know, he was seeing, he also said, "Well, the crowd was into it, you know, so you guys got to you guys got to go for it." Um, and I, I just think that that was uh, a, a very good example of, you know you especially were just right there you know there's plenty of other guys that were not saying one fucking word to d Lowe Brown but you were right there with them talking to him. uh is that just something that you did you started doing on your own like just talking to the veterans or did somebody say like hey you know some of these guys you should reach out and you know strike up a conversation
2: uh for me I, I was such a, a goddamn wrestling nerd that as soon as I ever got an opportunity to be around anyone that's ever made money in this business I'd always just pull up a chair. And then, I i mean, I could tell if I'm getting on their fucking nerves, I'd leave them alone. But, I mean, that's the way that you learn stuff. So, you know, like, I would do it to Tracy Smothers every week, I would just sit there. It's like sitting underneath a learning tree. And he would just tell you stuff and teach you stuff and say, like, they, those dudes have forgot more shit about wrestling. Then you know. Then I've I fucking know about wrestling, you know. So they're yeah. telling us stuff, and we're just sitting there learning all these things. To this day, Tracy Smothers told me that if I ever got to take a piss, I could piss in any trash can, and it's okay because Tracy said so. <laughs> <laughs> I implement that in any locker room sometimes. Is it? But you go ahead. You go ahead.
0: Well, when you're when you're assigning value to what people are telling you, is it because you as an individual have a decent grasp of those things, or is it? that you've been able to talk to multiple people and now you understand what is good direction and advice and what is isn't, in terms of weeding that stuff out
2: yeah it's it's just like trial and error like you could tell sometimes guys come up and they'll tell you something and just by the way they're acting their demeanor that they're just being dickheads and they're just trying to like beat you down yeah you know they're trying to beat you down and and so they could punk you out kind of
1: Yeah, and some of those guys that have made money and now are back or for the first time on the independent level, you know, they are kind of, I don't know, like it's almost like they are so down on themselves they want to bring others down with them, you know, and they're just – there have been plenty of guys – over the years that I've encountered and it's just like, you know, like if you don't want to be here, like why'd you why'd you take the booking? But they need the money, you know, but then they feel so just like, like independent wrestling is so below them. So then they try to take down all the guys that are there working hard too, you know and it's just like, it's such kind of like a toxic thing um, and you know, you do have to learn who, you know, who to assign that value to and Tracy Smothers I think has Uh, never not given advice you know he's been wrestling for 40 years and that guy just can't can't not give people good advice you know he will i've never seen a guy that cares so much about you know you could be somebody that has only had one match and he will pull you aside and give you give you advice and you know that's probably the benefit of you know you wrestling on those shows in that Indiana area and Tracy Smothers being around um, you know because he was in Cleveland a lot too uh, and I've seen Tracy just he will take so much time with people and it's it's really incredible because there aren't a lot of guys like him that will do that.
0: yeah speaking of Tracy Smothers and uh, people that are going to just talk and talk and give you advice whether you ask for it or not. Uh, another guy that sat under the Tracy Smothers learning tree a little bit you were teamed up with in AIW and Jock Sampson is that a guy was that beneficial do you feel like being with him because he's kind of traveled at spots. he's been at this for a while and and Jock is one of those guys that loves to listen to the crowd in terms of what he's doing
2: oh yeah I remember the the singles match that me and him had and we went out there and then after the match thorn was in the back there and thorn goes god damn it guys y- y'all went like 25 minutes we, I th- we were supposed to go like seven minutes i think and then we go out there and
1: you guys didn't even get in the ring until like 17 yeah. minutes in
2: yeah. we we're, we're, were cutting promos the whole time and then finally and we're like talking about the the, the catholic school and the tiger on the wall and maybe <laughs> jesus and all this stuff we're doing all this shit, and, and then we finally get to the match the match was only like six minutes long but everything else was just it was like a Tracy Smothers match. We just talked and talked and talked and then finally did our shit. But yeah, Jack- yeah
1: I don't know, I don't know if Jack Sampson would would make it in the new headset era of AIW with the time cues.
2: <laughs> yeah. He he just keep looking at the ref going, "No, we got this. We got this."
1: <laughs> he is like somebody that is just it's like somebody dug him up out of a time capsule, you know? Like I can't even believe he's a he's a real person sometimes. <laughs> What? But, you know, you, you you do find your way into AIW, and, uh, you know, just – I'm curious as to, you know, like, you must have had a list or whatever of places you want to go. How does AIW wind up on that list?
2: For me, it was always uh, AIW, AAW, Combat Zone, IWA Mid-South. And then uh, – because in that time period where I'm watching everything, those are the places where I'm going – Okay, because I look at independent pro wrestling pro wrestling as not just like, how do I put it? Uh, you know how, let's say some band puts out a, a CD and they run on that CD for like seven years, and that's yeah. all they do with this one CD. Yeah. I look at it like, okay, well, I'm going to do this for two years, and I'm going to do this for two years, and I'm going to do this for two years, and but these are my home companies. So everything around that, my catalog is going to be all this shit over here, and then these are my places I call home. So, you know, it's one of those things where I just kind of come up with, these are all the places I want to go to. And then, you know, I went to Combat Zone and people were shitting all over me for going there. And I understand it. I get it. But that was a place that I grew up being like, man, I got to go to Combat Zone. And then I won the fucking title. What's left to do there? You know? So I'm sitting (laughs) there like,
1: all right, well. I I, I really think that, you know, that was, you know, Combat Zone is Combat Zone. And what it's evolved into now with its, I, I don't know, the bodacious babes, pay-per-views or whatever they call it. Don't get me started on that. (laughs) But, uh, uh, I, I think that, you know, the last kind of thread for CZW was the guys like you who, uh, just grew up watching it and wanted to wrestle there. And I think, you know, I don't know how many of those guys are left at this point anymore, but I think that that was kind of the last, last thread for them. Uh, but I guess my question is, is how do you determine, you know these are the these are the companies that i want to make home you know like what 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 goes into that because there's thousands of wrestling companies
2: for me it's uh the locker room you know it's you go to a place and then you got it you know you got everybody there you could tell from the get-go when you walk into a place if it's a family or if it's just a bunch of people that are going to piss on each other when no one's around and make money yeah so so for me it's you know i look forward when i look at my calendar and i go okay we're going to cleveland or you know GCW, here we go. You know you know AAW. You know when I look at those places, I go here. You know these are my, this is my fucking boys out here. So you know that that plays a large part into, you know how the crowds are and the crowds are into it and it's a family. It's it's not just locker room and management and it's everything. When we go to after party, at all those companies that I name, you know here's my cat jumping in here. It's uh <laughs> that's the that's a thing of it's a goddamn family at the end of the day. So we're going to get more. They're going to get more. Everybody's into it. You know, it's, it's that good shit.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I really think that when AIW really started, um, you know, from just a promoter standpoint, when we really started making an effort, like we're going to do an after party every single show, no matter what. I think that that helped grow the bond amongst the boys so much because, and you know, and that, that started before you kind of came into the picture. That's, but, Now you kind of see the product of that. Like I think that that has bonded so many people. It has gotten so many people just over. You know what I mean? Like CPA. You know, like like CPA is right. You know, like it (laughs) has gotten and like if you. My thing is, is if you can get over with the boys in the locker room, like. That is, that's way harder to do than get over with the crowd, with the crowd is from my perspective, you know, because you kind of have to be accepted into the, into the gang, so to speak. And, you know, there are, there are people that uh, have not been accepted and, you know, they weren't, they weren't around that long. Um, But like, so I'm saying before you got booked though, like, how do you determine, you know, young Mance Warner, how do you determine these are, this is where I want to go? Like what? what led into that you know you said it, you you would research a lot of things you just started did you have like a like a map drawn out or like this I did. Is like- i
2: had like a notebook i got i still got it in there helen quit messing with everything up here damn it was, get it, out there.
0: was it geographically based or no, 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 not, was not it based really. on dvds not not really a, a, a
2: map i guess more of like i just got a notebook and i would write down these are the companies that i want to go to is it because of DVDs that you watched? Yeah, kind of kind of DVDs and kind of just like... You could sit there and, you know, you look at the internet or you look at what fans are talking about and you know... Okay. You could tell by the way a fan writes about a company that they're fully with it versus a fan that's just writing about a company. Hey, I went to a wrestling show versus a fan that's like, this is the fucking place. You know what I mean? So when you see that, yeah. you know, okay, if these fans are this invested into these places... That's the place that I want to be because I love this shit. So if they're that into it, I'm going to fucking be into it. See, because we were all fans at some point. So we'd all sit right. there. If anyone ever talked about shitting on WCW or ECW around me, it's fucking all. <laughs> so, you know, so when a fan's saying that about these companies, you know, like, okay, this is a place that I want to go to and make this the place that I'm going to be at where when people go, I want to see Old Mancer. They know these are the companies to go to.
0: Were you paying attention to AIW before you had even
2: met Dom? When yes, because going to school of rock out there, uh, when I was starting to go there, uh, Heidi Loveless is already she'd already, you know, oh, been sure, married. yeah, she was there, but she, she wouldn't be there every time we would be training or something. But uh, you know, Dory would come in there, she'd be there on the weekend, and, and when we'd be doing you know, Saturday, Sunday, or whatever day it may be on training, so it's like you're hearing and i i'd fucking get on everybody's nerves because i'd always be asking questions about everything or <laughs> jumping in cars or trip cassidy i'm gonna go to new jersey with you i'll just drive the whole time you can do whatever i don't care i'm just gonna go you know and then i remember one time i drove to a ecwa uh, when they did their tournament. it wasn't even their tournament it was super eight two shows before that yeah it was like two shows before that and i knew it was coming up and i just wanted to go there and see it because it's a place that i would watch Right. You know, and then you go there and, and, you know, well, this ain't,
1: you know, the same place <laughs> this, it was. This <laughs> but, ain't what it was in, in 96. Yeah, but it's still, you know, it's
2: cool to go and see all them places, man.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I think that that is kind of a lost art that you know, whenever indie wrestling opens back up, it needs to, it, guys need to just a, a, adapt that lifestyle again and that road warrior mentality. And, you know, one guy that, you know, I, I see you've gotten in his years, Levi Everett. You know, where where do you find this fucking guy? Because it seems <laughs> like you guys are attached at the hip. I don't, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know where this fucking guy comes from, but wherever Mance Warner is, this guy is there. And before I even knew he was a worker, I was just like I was re-watching an AIW show, and I was like, "Who's this fucking Amish guy in the crowd?" And like he was just there. Where, where, do you, where do you find this guy?" Yeah, he's out
2: there. He was uh, doing shows at uh, WCWO out there in Indianapolis, and it's just like you know, it's just like a little local uh, place they run down there downtown in Indy, and uh, he was just out there doing shows and shit. and I, I went out to a WCWO show, and he was out there, and I met him and I was like. Man, this dude he's fucking nuts like he was out there he getting hit in the head with chairs and doing you know the benoit and shit off the top and just, he was nuts. It, like you could see when you know when someone's getting ready to go out to the ring they go up to the curtain and you could tell when they really really love pro wrestling because shit starts to change they start acting different they start pacing around their eyeballs kind of glaze over they look like a crazy person so when i saw him do that i was like he's with me Because that dude's nuts. I know it. And then, you know, I had a match with him at Bizarro Lucha. It's on uh, IWTV. And we just beat the hell out of each other. At one point, he throws a chair, hits me in the head. And I fire up. I throw a chair, hit him in the head. And the crowd goes ballistic because they ain't, you know, they're, they're realizing that this dude's fucking nuts. And I always put him over to everyone. I, me and him that same match, I got on the mic and I said, uh, "Joey Janela, I'm not ever one to kiss ass or ask for no damn favors, but put Levi in the goddamn clusterfuck, man. He's gonna get over like a bitch and be booked everywhere."
1: Yeah, he's uh, he he is definitely uh, one of those. You know, before this you know COVID stuff happened, Levi Everett was one of those guys that was definitely moving his way up the depth chart in my brain. Uh, you know, he, he, he was, he's a guy that was doing it right. You know, he was coming helping did the, you know, he did the tryout, but even before then, you know, there, I can't think of a show in recent memory that he wasn't there setting the ring up, helping guys out, you know, offering to do something. And, uh, you know, and this isn't an open invitation for you guys to go everywhere, whoever's listening to this, but for me, you can send me all the YouTube links in the world. I ain't going to watch them, but if uh you know mance warner or somebody says hey this guy is good and you are actually physically standing next to that person that is going to be a uh much better route for you to get booked places because i ain't gonna watch these fucking copy and paste emails that i get with three links um it's just uh, man uh, levi everett is a perfect example of that you know he's a He's had several guys vouch vouch for him, and when they're doing it, I can look and go, "Oh, he's here. Let me let me throw him in a dark match or do something else." Here comes my cat now getting involved in everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Gotta get over, man. They want <laughs> to get with scream What, Mansur? Let me ask you this: You came in at such an interesting time in AIW history where the Johnny Garganos are gone. The EC3s are we're gone again. A lot of people gone. Ethan Page isn't coming around quite as much anymore because he's doing television. And it's like 2017, a little bit, but 2018, 2019, to me, is such an evolutionary period in AIW. And it is for you too. What does it mean when this is one of the places on your little map, and here you are evolving with it to... Basically, become one uh, one of the faces that people make synonymous with AIW.
2: I always look at it like uh, you remember WWF went through that that weird change in the middle where it was like '93 to '96.
1: The new generation. Yeah, the new, the new generation. generation right, yeah,
2: too, where you know you got all these guys coming in, and then it's like, all right, motherfuckers, go go make it. Who's going to, you know, who? Yeah, yeah. Bomb. maybe they're pushing them. But that motherfucker didn't make it, you know. <laughs> Somebody else got in that spot. So I look at, at indie wrestling kind of like that now. So for me, when I look at my home my home companies, because people always go, what's your home, home base? And then I name a couple. And then they go, what's your one? I go, fuck that. These are my places. These are the companies that, as long as I'm in independent pro wrestling, you know, let's say I wrestle for the next 25 fucking years, and, you know, I come and go and – you know pull a Terry Funk and I go to all these companies but I leave and then my horse is sick I'm going home baby and then I go back and forth (laughs) I want everyone to know like oh that's where Mance Warner's at that's it that's you you got to go see this or we what's what companies are we going to get this one right here you know they want to watch this one and this is my crew of guys and we're all out here we're busting our ass guys and girls and whoever else is fucking out there that's you know that's our place so for me it's kind of you want to make your name, but you want to make your company the spotlight there where it's like, you know, this place may say they're the fucking best, but fuck you, we're the fucking best. And then yeah. everyone starts competing, and that's great for everybody because we're all busting ass.
1: Fuck you, we're right. Fuck you, they're wrong, right? Beyond the yeah. mat, baby. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I think it's interesting, though, with, with you specifically is, you know, like we're talking – we're joking about the new generation. So many of these talented guys came out of our school, and you – did not come out of our school, but you kind of came in right next to them and yeah. you guys all kind of roast th- through the ranks together. And I-, I really accredit a lot of your success to when we would add these, you know, these kind of, they're not B shows, but they're the extra shows, the bar shows to where yeah. it's like, well, you know, we don't need to bring in, you know, Nick Gage and all these other guys that are on top. You know, we can bring in like a couple of them, and then let's let's give Mance Warner a singles match. Let's give Dom Greeny a singles match. Let's do something with Trey Lamar. And I think, you know, if I'm not mistaken, that might have been your first match in AIW was at one of those Music yeah, Link was it, shows.
0: Yeah, it? was either Dom or uh, Josh. Bishop was the first. Bishop. One. That's what. Yeah, going. Okay. Bishop. The second one was me and Dom. Second yeah. one was
1: Dom, and and you know, I really think that that was a good kind of. I don't know. I don't even know what the word is. Just like an opportunity to showcase you and, you know, also open my eyes because, you know, I didn't know what you were capable of and neither did the fans. You know, you were just the guy that, uh, you know, you had told me this is where you wanted to be. You were getting, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, you were getting booked elsewhere in Cleveland and, you know, you had heard that I like only using my own unique roster in the same city. So without ever even talking to me, you just canceled all those bookings and you just started showing up to set the ring up. And I was like, wow, uh, that is that uh, is that that is a pretty serious kind of move, you know? Cause it, and I, I believe I even told you, like, don't cancel all those bookings. You know, I can't promise that I'm going to book you. And you did it anyway. And, you know, so I was like, wow, you know, you almost kind of forced my hand, honestly, because... <laughs> You know, it's just like I kind of I felt bad. You know, you you canceled all this work and you were just showing up for no money and you were setting chairs up. And uh, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to throw this guy a bone. I had, you know, I had heard of you. I had seen things about you. I've you know, I never sat down and did, you know, an extensive Mance Warner tape study. But uh, I think, you know, those bar shows that we added and, you know, you got out there with Bishop and especially the one where you and Dom went out there. Uh, I think that that really kind of raised your profile. Did, did, you, did you find that to be beneficial?
2: Oh yeah, because it's. I look at it like uh, on the old like ECW fan cam tapes. Remember, they'd have like two dark matches. And yeah. Then sometimes you see somebody, and then you go, "Oh shit!" You know, who's this guy? And then next time he's booked, Chris Hamrick against somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's money against somebody, and then the next time they're booked on every fucking shit like That's- that. So I, w- I always look at it and go, "Okay, here here's my chance to show this crowd." Because not everyone that goes to the main shows I don't even like calling them the main shows just the, they're going to the bar show not the whole crowd from the other shows are gonna be at this show right yeah the diehards are there so they see it and they go holy shit who's this motherfucker
1: and I think that yeah exactly the diehards will go and then you're you're not gonna you're not gonna get the big Odeon crowd but you're gonna get the diehards and you're gonna get some others there and I think that you know it I think that that was really good for you especially well I'll, Good for the quote-unquote new generation altogether. Were were those shows?
2: Oh yeah, it gets us all ready, and then you get to try out shit at the shows, and then you know you figure it clicks or it don't click, and then you kind of take it to the next one, or you know. So that's always that's the fucking art of it, going out there and just kind of doing what you do.
1: My my what? trainer, my trainer Lou Marconi, he was one of those ECW dark match guys. He uh, he got he was he played the part of Lance Wright's lawyer. He took a couple Taz plexes. <laughs> And uh, he was supposed to get a big push. But uh, according to him, he was on the cover of a dirt sheet, and Taz thought he was trying to get himself over. So uh, he got fired. Oh, but no, that's uh, not good, man. You know, that's, when do the, you, uh, that's my story on the ECW Dark matches.
0: When do you decide to evolve and become, all right, I'm no longer the singlet Mance Warner. Um, I am the good old boy jeans-wearing mance warner is that just because of the style of matches that you started having
2: yeah it just kind of clicked i started i threw on jeans i think for the first time for uh wrestle rager 2 i think that's the first time i ever wore them
1: that's okay. where well, that's where me and you got out there and worked a little bit yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that beautiful damn fit picture that i always post i love that picture <laughs> But yeah, I think I wore them in that one because it was just like a, it was
1: like a bunkhouse brawl. Yeah, yeah, so I just threw them on, and then I
2: I looked at a picture. I said, "Why the fuck have I not been wearing this the whole time? Out there just running around and that looking like a jabroni? I need to be wearing my damn jeans from Walmart."
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I mean I think that's a pro wrestler thing, you know, especially a young pro wrestler thing. Like you got to have your gear and you got to do this. And uh, but like we've been saying, a lot of your evolution was a lot of that trial and error and. Uh, you know, the jeans and the jacket, you know, the the, the David Lopin jacket. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that and the music, I, I think, it you know, it, it quickly, you know, turned into the total package that, like, we've been saying, like, you know, 2018, 2019 especially, like, I think you really put it all together. And, you know, for wrestlers that listen to this, like, you gotta go out and you gotta try different shit out, you know. Like Mance Warner could be, uh, you know, trying to do hammerlocks right now.
0: Yeah, I I think I that will give a fuck either. I, I think again, it's it's interesting how this whole generation, uh, the like new generation with AIW, this new era so to speak, and Mance Warner mirror each other because the big moment for both, right, is Jersey City. We're part of the collective and a much broader audience is seeing aiw for the first time because they're a part of this and mance warner has a huge singles match with nick gage uh is, is that one of those moments for you where it's like it clicks that this is a huge part of your evolution
2: oh yeah man because going into it you're just thinking like okay it's it's me and nick gage the do that i grew up watching all the fucking time on these dvds and you're hyped up for the match But like that whole day was fucking insane for me because I'm doing like MLW tapings 40 minutes away. And then earlier I had another show. So it's like I I go from doing the MLW thing, jumping in a taxi with with hell. Who was in there with us? I think it was I think Lawler was in there with us. But we we go from a taxi to pull up to the venue. We get out of the taxi. Joey Janela's out front. There's some shit on fire. He's out there trying (laughs) to put it out.
1: And I think uh, he started that fire. He denies it.
2: Oh, I bet he did too. He's crazy. But I, I go running in, and I can't remember who I found, but I was like, "Hey, man, where the hell do I go? What time? Or you know what?" And I think I was the two matches away or something like that. Yeah. So I had maybe, yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah, maybe like twenty minutes or fifteen minutes. You know, we didn't call shit. We just there we go. Let's go see you out there and let's do some shit. There's some, got some weapons out there. So uh, I remember waiting to walk out and just being so fucking hyped up. It's like it's me and Nick Gage, you know. And then you're you're waiting. And then you get out there, and the crowd's going nuts. And at one point, we're just looking around, and I'm like, this is our fucking mania match, and we ain't even done shit yet, and the crowd's going ballistic, and they're just chanting and chanting and chanting. And I'm like, this is <laughs> fucking dope, man. This is good shit.
1: Yeah, I, that's that's why I wanted to do it again this year, uh, because, you know, you you did arrive. I think you were in the Ethan Page, Colt Cabana car or whatever, all coming from the MLW area MLW taping, uh, and – I think that you know that match was awesome with 15 minutes planning, so yeah. I wanted to give you know for you I wanted to give you the the real let's you know because we've done that match in AIW since, but I and it's been awesome and I wanted on that stage to give it the okay these guys are here you know and like know what to do now because. I I don't think that you had wrestled Nick Gage before then. Maybe.
2: I did a triple threat with him one time, but Teddy Hart was in there. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So Uh, I I thought that that was, you know, that's one of the things that bummed me out about all this shit getting canceled because, you know, I was going to do that match again, but I wanted the, the, the broader audience to be able to experience it with, you know, not 15 minutes of rushed, you know,
0: getting out there. S- speaking of big moments and like big fight feels and big matches, I think to me, as we t- again talk about 2019 being your year, there were so many moments for you, Mance. I mean that that absolution build with you and Jock, people loved. Uh, you and Eddie had a match that I thought was was great during. I think a rap the rap show last year was in April, but um, or May maybe. But uh, Jaylit it was me and Eddie. Is that what yeah. it was yeah. gone? Okay, but uh, J Jaylit weekend. Uh, I remember being in the ring during the finals and it's Justice it's Gage and it's you in that final matchup that triple threat and I just look at Tom Dunn who's refereeing and you already feel the crowd I don't know if you felt it backstage but certainly standing in the ring before anybody's music even hit we felt that anticipation and I just looked at Tom Dunn I was like is this the closest you've ever felt to like the biggest fight or biggest you know, big match feel that you've ever had. And he was like, This is unbelievable right now. And they, they were already ready for you guys. But I, I don't know. That's just my perspective. I would love to have have yours in terms of coming out right then. Oh, man.
2: That, it made me think of watching like uh, Sting versus Hogan at Starcade. <laughs> like the crowd's going nuts and they ain't done shit. And there's this, you know, and so we get in the ring and we're all looking at each other and you could feel the crowd. Like you could feel the room moving. And it's that cool thing of like, okay, shit, like they're, they're they're in already and we've not done anything yet. And it's a moment. And that's what I always tell guys too is like, I'm not here to do the greatest, you know, wrestling hold or the spot or the fucking duck, leap, move, bop, 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 duck, 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 none of that bullshit. I want to do moments to where people watch it and go, that, that was the fucking coolest shit I saw all night. And that was one of those moments where it's like the crowd's with it, everybody's with it. And then when people left, the first thing they're tweeting about is, That was a fucking that shit right there
0: was a moment. You guys had the all these guys chant going (coughs) before the match had even started.
1: Yeah, and I think you know I think that that is a thing that's lost. That I try to specifically do is I try to book almost moments, and sometimes I think that that's kind of to AIW's detriment, so to speak, because sometimes it does take a while to build to that moment, you know, and that that's not the. You can't, can't.
2: Yeah, my set threw a mouse in the air and speared it onto a box. She just hitting like table spots in that's here. What?
1: It's do do? crazy. <laughs> Helen's going wild. Yeah, uh, Helen's but going I, wild. I do think to our detriment sometimes is is we take the time to to build to those moments. However, like when we get the moment, it is the payoff is typically unreal and. You know my thought process going into that jail that year is, you know, we we usually book storylines throughout it, and there's more things that build that you know that will build to absolution, and there's a lot of storyline stuff that's taken into consideration. But my thought process last year was, I'm just gonna take the three most over guys, and I'm gonna put them in the main event, and uh, because I I thought that there would be a moment, and even what I thought did not even, you know, it, the actual thing blew away my expectations. Like I didn't think that they would be that with it. Uh, and that was, you know, that's one of the more, like one of my more proud moments as a promoter Booker, or wherever you want to call it was just like, before that match even happened, I knew that we had accomplished our goal for the weekend. You know, like the, that, that reaction right there made the whole weekend a success.
0: And I, I think it was, many things coming together that made that such a, a, a perfect storm it's those three guys being the most over and there's just something about that that odion atmosphere and at that point we're we're finally in there that's like maybe our fifth show in the Odeon and officially it's our home and over that weekend it becomes the aiw arena and now here is the main event of what is now officially the aiw arena and There couldn't have been a more special one for that to put that whole atmosphere together like that.
2: It's like the ECW arena, man. It's like that. the crowd, the people are lining up, you know, hours before the show. They're waiting outside sometimes in the damn rain, and they're all hyped up, and we're walking up to the front. They're all out there taking pictures, and, you know, they're getting us hyped up before we even – put her damn you know cowboy boots on to do anything
1: fans get there before i get there it's crazy you know like there'll be there'll be a line before i arrive, and it's like that that blows my mind uh and speaking of a great fan experience let's talk about the russell Razor experience like i think that that (laughs) i think that is a defining experience as, as an aiw talent and as an aiw fan uh what you know what are your what are your thoughts on the whole wrestle ranger thing
2: oh man it's it's one of my favorite things every year i I look forward to it because it's it's the closest thing you could get to like a uh like not you know with like a like a a real life blood sport
1: yeah it's like it's it's almost like a fight club atmosphere like a feel
2: (laughs) you know you're outside people have been drinking all day they're smoking stuff they're partying you can smell it in the air. It's insane. And then, well, you know, you're waiting out there and you can hear everything. Because sometimes in an arena or a venue, you're waiting out back. You can't really hear everything.
1: Right. When, when you're outside ask. and
2: you're literally, you can look.
1: You're just There's just a U-Haul truck between yeah. you and the people.
2: <laughs> and you're just out there drinking and you look and you're just going like this. I remember at the last one, I started pacing around right before i went out and i started yelling like i would do this shit for free and i'm like going ballistic and then later on someone sent me a thing and nick gage doing an interview and he was talking about how he was you know we all got shitty days sometimes and and, uh nikki was having one of those and he was saying that he heard me doing that and it just fucking hyped him up man he was ready to go and i'm just out there acting like a madman, you know and then Thorne walked by, and Thorne said, "I'll remember that." And I said, "No, no, no." no.
1: <laughs> I did. I did hear that. I said, "I said, I, I was like, oh yeah, I was like, I'll, I'll remember that one, man. Let me let me go check the gate real quick." Yeah, but free. you were screaming. You're like, I will do this shit for free because it, it was like Russell Rager is so weird because especially last year, you know, you, you're just look, you just look to your left and like Raven and Fonzie are just having a chat, catching up, you know, and like people are people are on their garages and roofs as far as you could see and you know Nick little Gage kids are, is
0: putting kids on a dumpster yeah, yeah.
1: gauge is putting kids on dumpsters and uh, <laughs> it's just it, it, it is a it is a wild wild experience <clears throat> and like I'll never forget when we did our match you know that crazy main event a couple of years ago oh. uh, I'll never forget I was so I was so nervous and like it was so uh, I didn't decide to do it until like the day before and you guys had all put it together before I even, you know, got back there. And, uh, you know, we're going through the motions or whatever. And uh, you and I come to to do a spot. And, like, everyone's kind of being, like, a little, like, uh, you know, everyone's being, like, Taking care of me, I'm the promoter or whatever. You hit me so fucking hard, and I was like, I was like, all right, I respect, I respect that. I was like, Be- because having wrestled other deathmatch guys, you know, throughout the years, it's it's like a right, it's like a rite of passage. Like you, you know, you you hit that guy as hard as you can, and then you know, you see what happens. And uh, it gave me, I swear to God, it gave me flashbacks to the first time I wrestled Drake Younger, and he hit me so hard and i had not been hit that hard again uh since that match <laughs> then then with you and I, res- I, I respect that
2: oh man i loved it that match was insane because it was it was like a 30 minute match
0: yeah so it was it, it's,
1: it's crazy how long it is it's so crazy like we did it's, an alternate commentary on it i was like holy shit this
0: match is a half hour because it's, it's on youtube right with the alternate commentary yeah yeah,
2: and it's just chaos. So there's just like staple guns and light tubes, and I, at one point I think Worldwide gives me like a side slam onto like a barbed wire chair that Caden made. Lawn chair, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus Christ, it was. And then I had, then we all went out partying after that, and you know we looked like we just went through fucking Vietnam War or something. I
0: know. <laughs> yeah. You know, like <laughs> no showers fun-
1: no, no showers at now. That's class. You know, you just yeah. get, you just do a little blood wipe, and you know it's it's into the bar.
0: Just you remember- down over to Funhouse.
2: I remember watching that one. and Thorne was like, "This is where Mance really picked up working the hard cam." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that, you were, you you were all over that hard cam. <laughs> Man's running around the ring, finds the hard cam, gets on his knees. Ah, <laughs> that face was great. Uh, yeah, you know, as we sit there talking about venues, I'm thinking about it, like, Mance, you've been you've been a lot of uh, You've been with AIW when the, during the venue search. Are okay. there uh, and on the different atmospheres is there a favorite atmosphere that you've had so far i'd say the side from wrestling i'd say
2: uh the one we're at now yeah because it, it reminds me so much of how it's kind of dark and the crowd goes ballistic it's in a bar people are just getting drinks they're going wild i think every wrestling show should have beverages because if <laughs> people can't get drunk they're quiet
1: yeah it I'm helps sure with the atmosphere not. it helps with the atmosphere so much i think you know like uh, it just, it, 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 turns it, it turns it in t- from wrestling to an experience I feel. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, some people that come to add, they're not even wrestling fans. They just, they go because they want to get drunk and they want to see whatever's going to happen and they don't give a fuck about the WWE or, you know, ring of yeah. honor or any other wrestling company. They just come cause they want to have that experience. And I think that it helps you guys too, the performers, because it makes them loud and it makes them kind of leave those inhibitions to, you know, to the side. And, uh, you know, it, it, it creates just such an amazing atmosphere. Like I was hesitant about going to the Odeon, you know, like you, you got to think like there's no free parking down there and all this other shit. But I mean, it's so, it's so worth the $5 that people, you know, have to pay to park to be able to get that kind of all in, it, you know, just the lights the darkness the smokiness the you know yeah the full bar it's it's a total experience
0: and and for me uh mance i think your your intro takes on a life of its own there as opposed to anywhere else because of the lights and everything we're able to do with it and, oh, I, and make it feel really special
2: i feel like i'm at fucking wrestlemania man it's awesome <laughs> they got the lights going and there's different colored lights and there's smoke and there's it's amazing. There's one picture where I'm walking to the ring and it looks like God is behind me and there's like a <laughs> circle of <laughs> of all seeing knowledge that's helping me get to the, the ring or something. I thought that shit was fucking awesome, man. Yeah, it's crazy in there. The crowd's nuts. Everyone's enjoying
0: it. Everyone's having <coughs> a good time. Yeah, the I mean way- those cell phones light up as you're coming out in in there because of the darkness. You got like it's the
1: Bray Wyatt entrance, wide. man. Like oh, yeah, yeah, you really
0: do.
2: I just gotta get Cena to join the N W O out there with me. <laughs> off to the races
1: i mean uh, you know as we've been doing this for a while as we wind it down what yeah. is how is mance warner handling the the quarantine the no wrestling how's it you know how's it weighing well, on you everyone's taking a little differently
2: at first I, I fucking hated it because you can't do shows you can't go do fights you can't you know but i'm trying to make it positive so i'm trying to you know like i got more time i could talk to fans I could do you know podcasts. I don't want to do every damn podcast there is because everybody out there will hit you up, and once you to do a podcast, so I ask the same questions. I like doing podcasts where it's my people that I already know, and we're friendly, and we can bullshit, and drink beers. I know they're not going to try to get you in that gotcha media where they get you to say something post on the internet. Right?
1: But yeah, so I
2: mean, <laughs> you know, like uh, just being active and doing promos and talking to people and bullshit, and just trying to keep people, you know, in to pro wrestling because people can't go to shows a lot of fans think well hell there ain't nothing to do for us if we're doing stuff like this and we're talking to fans and we're doing q a's and bullshit with people and you know like earlier i was skyping with the with the boys out here just bullshitting you know maybe we record that and show people especially you know out here it's our fan base that could talk to us and we're all you know we're all in this shit together at the end of the day we're all fucking bored so the more stuff that we can do and keep active and keep our minds right you know it's it's a win-win for all of us
1: You know, that's one thing that I I thought that was so just like, wow! Like, how has nobody else thought of this? You you just cut promos on whatever's going on in the world. You just call it wrestling promos, and it's it's keeping you out there. It's keeping people entertained. You know, it's keeping your you, you know your relevancy up there, and you know you're getting that social media interaction, and you're just doing what you always do like if there was a show coming up this weekend, but you're just picking, you know, whatever, hot (laughs) topic in the world or, you know, like, uh, and I think, you know, I think that that's good. Um, because you know, nobody knows how long this is going to be. It's probably going to be a while. And you know, it's also keeping you fresh. You know, like we, we saw earlier tonight, Steve guy hasn't done a ring announcement in a while. You know, he's a little rusty, (laughs) you know, he's got the ring rust. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I have the ring, Russ man. It's so a, you know, I think that that's uh, I think that's interesting. Done games. I think that's interesting that you know you're doing that, and it it's it's so simple. You know, maybe that's why you're the simple man.
2: It's that's true, right. and I just like drinking beers and uh
0: Manser, as as John said, we wind this down. One of the new things that we're doing with AIW is uh, your top five. So since you're here, and we've talked about this whole thing being a, an evolution of Mansour in the last few years. Give me your – if somebody says, Mance Warner, AIW, what are your top five matches slash moments?
2: The first – so I'm not going to give no order. I'll just throw some out. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Me and Eddie, because Eddie's like my fucking big brother in pro wrestling. Like I remember IWA, he saw me out there and told me and I want to work with him. And then ever since then, we've just beat the hell out of each other every match. (laughs) Beat the shit out of each other. So me and Eddie, uh, Gauntlet. And then right after that match, I think it was – uh, there may have been a match in between, or it may have went right to the gauntlet, but me and Joey were one and two, and we lasted until the we were like yeah. four, I believe. Uh, yeah,
0: in, in between was m Dog and Josh so yes. Yeah, then
2: So then I'm out there for, I don't know how long we were out there, like a damn hour or something. But, yes, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, that one, that was awesome. Because, like I said, that's one of those matches you watch, and you go like, okay, if I'm in there, I want to be like number one or two. And then you get to be number one or two, and it's one of your boys, you know, me and Joey out there beating each other up. Uh me me and Gage at uh at the uh, mania week down there
0: slumber party yeah
2: yeah so then uh, that one me gauge and justice
0: sure
2: and then i'd say me and justice where we went through the two uh tables because we thought that shit was gonna break as soon as we got <coughs> up there we stacked them oh my think, god what was that that was that?
1: That was, a, was that was that in december i think so
2: it was the singles match and we just we I, at one point we do a move to outside was, and we broke yeah. the, we broke the feed for a second, and they had to go to another camera angle because we did something where we broke through a door, and then we broke the fucking camera or some shit. We broke yeah, the you got
1: you guys you, you guys like pulled the cable out of the camera. Where, but it so was that cool, at
0: the, <laughs> where was that was that at the Odeon? Is yes. that it's the no. Odeon. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, I'm trying to remember one of those tables. You know, another moment. Uh, speaking of tables, not breaking. And, but you just made me think of it—you and Eric Stevens in Akron. Oh Lord, those were the, the those, st- those were the doors. <laughs> it like
2: <the>, uh, <laughs> were those the old
0: FMW ones? <laughs> was that a, a Doctor Dan purchase? No, yes. Doctor Dan, Man, Dan he purchase. Said, I, I,
2: I looked at those fucking doors and I said. Man, those look kind of thick. I said, well, "Where'd you get these from? Like a trailer from the seventies or something?" And He said, "No, these are fine. We got a whole bunch of them." Right? <laughs> found out they were not when I bounced off them two stacked up.
1: Thought I broke my ankle. You and uh, you and Justice was at Bobblehead Nights in September. Uh, the yes. Delo Brown Show.
2: Yeah, Because yeah, we partied with Delo after.
1: Yeah, yes. and he, he he analyzed your guys' match. Yeah. And then that was great too because he's he's
2: telling us shit. And then uh, Gage kept coming over, being like. Who keeps fucking pausing to fight, man? I'm trying to watch. (laughs) And I would try to, like, you know, casually be like, Gage, it's D-Lo, you know? And he couldn't hear me, so he'd come over each time and be like, what the fuck, man? It's D-Lo, man. D-Lo did it. And then (laughs)
1: Yeah, he, kept, he he had the remote and he would pause it and then give feedback and then he would play it again. And Nick Gage was just off somewhere else in the bar watching the TV trying to watch the show
0: and have some drinks. And he was getting hot because he kept pausing the fucking stream. love it. I love Nick Gage. Well, after-party story is always a, a great spot to, to wind things down and end it because there's far too many of those. And that would just go on yeah. and on oh. and on. But
1: <laughs> There's way too many. <laughs>
0: Maybe for another time, I guess. How <laughs> about save them for another Mance That's some Warner. Patreon
1: shit right there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, 40 minutes all stories
1: <laughs> from afterwards.
0: At least. So, uh, this was a great time, Mance. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Uh, hopefully, everybody out there has enjoyed this one for John Thorne, for Mance Warner. My name's Steve Guy. We'll talk to you next week right here on AIW's The Card is Going to Change.